What exactly is the secret to unbuttoning the second, or dare I say, the third button on a shirt? And being able to pull that off, and I've tried it, and I feel like I just look like a douchebag. But I've seen people do it, and it looks good. So I gotta know, what is the secret? Is it chest hair? Is it confidence? Whatever it is, I don't got it. <laughs> I think I'm cursed to be a one undone button guy. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Oh, hi. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. And I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. <laughs> it's great to have you. It is June 28th. And as of today, we have 10,130,171 worldwide cases of COVID-19 with 502,229 deaths. But I got a great show for you this week anyway. That's right. In The Devil's Advocate, we're going to be talking about God's will is evil. And the infernal informant, Democrats will hold a virtual convention. Republicans won't. The cruelty is just too obvious. And Trump signs an executive order on prosecuting those who destroy monuments. <laughs> That's right. I'm not done talking about monuments. I know you want me to be done. I'm not done yet. <laughs> and then in the creature feature, I'm going to bring to you a game that I'm going to start playing in the Evil Live Satanic series called Call of Cthulhu Dark Corners of the Earth. It's an oldie but a goodie, and we'll talk about it at the tail end of the show. Let's start by uh, saying, uh, how you doing? How you doing, Gary? Thanks for joining us, man. Jason, see, t-shirt is a good way. Wife beater's another one. I can pull them both off, but I just feel like there's a certain, like, something to unbutton the second or third button with no shirts. Just letting it go. Like, do you need a necklace? And then what kind of necklace? Is it like a thick chain? Because then you look like a fucking asshat. I don't know. I haven't unlocked that code yet in life. Maybe someday. William, good to see you, man. Uh, Sean, thanks for joining us, man. Valeria, how are you, my dear? Uh, Clinton, I saw you just a minute ago. Satani Chris, what up? Vasiri, saw you too. How you doing, man? Uh, Behemoth, good to see you as always. And anyone else who jumps in after the fact, thank you for joining us live, Blake. <laughs> One of them. Uh, good to see you. Here's a dog. What up? I need a tuft of chest hair to stick out. See, that's the problem. I'm a very hairless guy. My wife digs it, but um, it's going to stop my uh, my chest hair growth. I also don't have back hair, so I guess it's a good trade-off, right? <laughs> that's, that's like the biggest nightmare ever when a girl like rubs her hands and ends up in like a thicket. <laughs> you know, like a thicket of woods on your back. <laughs> Not too uh, <laughs> How's it going, Amber? All right. So, 
I just finished reading my reading aloud classics book, The House of the Seven Gables by Nathaniel Hawthorne. It's great. That being said, at the end of each book, I'm going back for another live reading of Might is Right. So this Tuesday, because I got a show tomorrow with Satanists on Cinema, this Tuesday, uh, this coming Tuesday, in two days, I'm going to do uh, another live reading of Might is Right. If I'm being 100% honest with you, I'm not looking forward to it. I don't, I don't want to read it anymore. I don't even like it. I think it's a big pile of dog shit, if I'm being 100% honest with you. There are lines that are great. But the doctor already took all those out and formed the Book of Satan with them. So anything else is just a big, hot pile of burning garbage. And I've, I'm this weird sort of completionist type of person. When I say I'm going to do something, I just, I'm, I'm going to do it. I will ultimately finish what I start. And the most blatant and painful and apparent version of that is Might is Right. So... <laughs> We're going back to the racist, misogynist, bigoted fucking bin people. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little bit more of that on fucking Tuesday. I don't know why I do it to myself. I don't. I should just listen to everyone telling me not to read it. But I'm not going to. I'm going to read it. That being said, I want to sort of back up and give you guys a primer. If you're new to this series, or, or maybe you're just not familiar with what I do, or you're getting inundated with a whole bunch of different types of videos on my channel, you don't really know what to make of it, I want to break down what I'm doing here. Because I create a lot of content, and I understand that because it's not all in sync with each other, it could be confusing, um, or maybe just you, you don't really understand the different, you know, pieces that I'm trying to put together here. So, Allow me the opportunity to clarify. I started creating content with Nine Cents Podcast back in 2011. So that is a satanic series, the one you're watching right now, that I create. So that's one. I stopped doing that for a while and I started doing Speak of the Devil, which is another satanic series. What differentiates Speak of the Devil from Nine Cents is that Nine Cents is three segments with short blurbs of content focused around those three segments. Speak of the Devil is hour-long discussions about a topic or an individual or a project. So that's the difference between those two, right? Um, I also have uh, You, Me, and the Devil Makes Three, which is a sort of family exploration podcast between my wife and myself, where we talk very intimately about what's going on in our lives and we explore those ideas. That's another series. That's three so far. Um, and then I have uh, Reading Aloud, which is something I started last year, a year ago, in August, which is just me reading classic novels. But I wanted to extrapolate that out a little bit and talk and read some satanic novels, like Stent Bible, Satanic Witch, Midas, right? Not wholly satanic, but it's got elements. And so I created the Reading Aloud series. That's another project. It's divided into two different subsections. One is satanic, Reading Aloud Live, and one is just classic novels, Reading Aloud Classic. I'm porting all of the Reading Aloud series over to this channel because I've gotten to the point where I'm like, why am I, why do I have separate channels for different projects when it's still just me? I've got a Reverend, Reverend Campbell channel. Why not just use it for what it is? And so I'm just putting everything back there. And I have daily vlogs. Every once in a while, I get a hair up my butthole and I just gotta just rant a little or maybe just, you know, have a bit of a chat, share some thoughts. That's part of uh, 
the channel as well. Um, so I've got a lot of different series. Some are overt, overtly satanic, some are less overtly satanic, but all of them feed into my content creation and different things that I'm interested in. The most recent, which I'm sort of piggybacking, you know, one project off of another with the Reading Aloud series is Evil Live. And that's a video game series. And so <laughs> I've got short form satanic content, which is nine cents, long form satanic content, which is Speak of the Devil, which I have another one coming up here with the Den Arden shortly. Look forward to that. It's going to be badass. Um, I've got a family-oriented satanic podcast, You, Me, and the Devil Makes Three. I've got a reading performance project, Reading Aloud. I've got a video game project, Evil Live. Where does one find the time? I don't know, but I, I, I just find it somehow. So there's a lot going on on my channel, and I understand if it's confusing or frustrating or you're seeing a bunch of videos that you're just frankly not interested in. So let me make it very clear to everyone. I don't expect anyone to consume all of the content I create. I create a bunch of different content because there's a bunch of different things that I'm interested in. And so I explore those in different ways. Some of the projects fail, some of them don't. While I'll explore them, those who are interested, I expect to tune in. Those who aren't interested, I don't expect you to tune in. So please don't feel obligated or uh, overwhelmed with what I'm putting out there because quite frankly, it's just for me to explore my own thoughts and, and passions. It has nothing to do with expect expectations on your part. That being said, thank you for those of you who are joining in uh, chat here and for you know, sharing your thoughts and ideas with me on these types of live streams. I do genuinely appreciate it. Um, like I said, I've got a, 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 a live Speak of the Devil coming up this weekend, I think. That's what we've got planned. Hopefully it, it comes through yet, July 4th, um, with Aden Arden. That's going to be pretty awesome. Tomorrow I've got a Satanist on Cinema, which is going to be great. And then Tuesday I've got the Might is Right discussion, which will be fun assuming you guys are there. If not, then it's just me, me torturing myself. It'll be like Albert Fish shoving needles in my groin, except I won't enjoy it. <laughs> that's, that's how I see it, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Uh, okay, that being said, let's start the show with The Devil's Advocate. Get some tweezers. <laughs> um, we're doing Stir of Echoes tomorrow, you mom. And thanks for joining us. It's good to see you again. It's been a little bit. All right. So for this devil's advocate, I'm just going to throw up this blanket image because we're returning to that old fountain of knowledge of ancient undefiled wisdom that is Anton LaVey. <laughs> He's got a thing or two, right? All right. So we're going to be talking about it specific article that's within this collection. Of course, Letters from the Devil is available from Underworld Amusements. They collected all of the old letters, or at least all of the ones that they could uh, get their hands on. Letters from the Devil articles from back in the day when the Doctor was producing them. And they put it all in the collection. And it's just great because it's got all of the articles and ads that are next to 
uh, his column. And so you get to see a lot of weird stuff along with his, you know, really thoughtful explanations. Some of these are genuine, maybe. Most of them, maybe, are sort of just manufactured by him in order to communicate Satanism. Either way, it's a lot of fun, and I dig it. That being said, this particular time, I want to talk about Dave H. from Pacific Palisades, California's entry. And he brings up a topic of um, this idea that suffering in the world is God's will. And if God's will is to suffer or to die, or to punish, then God himself is evil, and that would make Satan then good. And so he starts to read the Satanic Bible, doesn't finish it all, part of the problem, I think, um, and then uh, reaches out to the doctor, right? So he writes a letter to the doctor explaining his ideas and his thoughts about how God is evil. He's like, look, I'm a young man, and I'm, I'm just in line with what you're writing. Thank you for writing it. And the doctor responds, saying, uh, I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> Thank you for appreciating it. And uh, uh, Dave H. quotes the third satanic statement, saying that you know he, he clearly understands that it's true because he's he's gone and watched preachers like um, Billy Graham on TV and seen them sapping money from these poor saps uh, during his proselytizing and stuff. Further proof that it's all bullshit. And the doctor responds like, yeah, you know, you're, you're a little bit ahead of your game and you're absolutely right. Uh, and just for clarification, the third statement is Satan represents undefiled wisdom instead of hypocritical self-deceit. Uh, LaVey's response to that kid is that uh, kids are fed up. They're fed up with being told what to believe. Um, they're fed up with being fed this idea of... Uh, supernatural truth in the face of objective reality. Uh, they're being told that they're just stupid and they need to just listen, and they're tired of having their intelligence insulted. And so he tells them, you need to watch a documentary called Marjo. And for those of us who have never seen this documentary, I don't blame you, Ivan, either. It's a revealing documentary about a Southern evangelist, Marjo Gortner, who allows filmmakers to record him while he's swindling people out of their money, fully admitting the entire time that he doesn't really understand the idea of God. He's just kind of doing this because this is what, this is how you make money. This is what his parents did, and this is just, it's a way to make some, some cash. So he admits that the entire racket is a racket, and people are still following and believing it. And... <laughs> And he's not the only one. It's literally every one of those sort of uh, evangelists uh, send your money in and uh, you'll get a prayer to Jesus. You know, make me rich and you will find the kingdom of heaven type mentality. It's a real thing. People make millions of dollars doing it. And there are incredible sizes of followings to these obvious snake oil salesmen. Uh, just like the uh, Marjo documentary. He's like, uh, it presents the reality behind preaching. And so the fact that you witnessed this, David H. from Pacific Palisades, California, is a good thing. Congratulations. And, uh, you know, move on in good health. I like the idea that this was, rather than an article asking, like the last one I, was, I brought to you guys was about a girl who wanted to sell her soul to the devil so that the devil would then kill her husband um, so that she could go with her Marine Corps lover. 
<laughs> which is just funny. This was more of just an awareness. Like I was sitting here in my world, not being a Satanist and I witnessed reality and reality said, you should be a Satanist because everything that the Satanic Bible is saying speaks to the true reality that an objective individual witnesses. So you don't have to conform. You don't have to alter the way that you see the world. It's just the natural way of seeing the world. And I thought there was a, a beautiful poetry in that idea. Clearly, it's something that you and I have witnessed as of yet, but it's nice even in the historical record, you know, of this article here, to see that people were still going through that same notion. And that knowing nowadays that people are going actively going through that same notion, it's invigorating. It's refreshing. You know, it's a nice idea that makes me feel slightly better about a potential dystopian future that it seems like we're hurling towards. And that's really all I wanted to bring to you about this article. I mean, there's no, you know, hidden wisdom behind it. It's just like, yeah, no, you're right. Check out this documentary because it's all a fucking game and, and they admit it. <laughs> and I dig it. I like that. All right. Uh, he was a celebrated child preacher. Yeah. Yeah. He was young. How you doing, Ruth? Oh, you watched it as a kid. Yeah. See, I have a problem watching these types of, uh, <sighs> It's hard for me to watch believers. Like, that's the, the hardest part for me. Like, I, I understand that they exist and everything. It's just, it, it hurts a little bit of me <laughs> to, to witness the level of stupidity or, at worst, outright ignorance uh, of these types. Like, how could you be a grown person? You know, you've lived an entire life and you still believe sort of fairy tale bullshit like what's wrong with you how is it possible and i understand that you know I, I often talk about this idea that you know individuals are born with different capacities and stuff there has to be a sort of slave culture in the mind i'm not talking about that type of slavery people simmer your liberal asses down there's no statues to deface so please take your seats uh <laughs> but genuinely like there there's a type of person that's just sort of a worker bee all right you know what we need them do your thing. I don't expect you to have individual epiphanies when you sit and contemplate ideas. <laughs> like, not everyone does that. I get it. But that also means that I can't sit there and indulge watching it. Like, it's just, it's so painful. Like, I was watching, I started watching a, um, a show with my wife. Um, fuck, what was it? I just, I couldn't sit through it because it was just stupidity on display. It was like one of those reality shows that was just, it was just painful stupidity on a pedestal. Like, no, you must pay attention because this is what your fellow man is like. And it's a reality show. So of course you're going to watch it. No, I can't. I, I just, I don't, I don't have it within me to witness the fucking monotony of your existence you know so yeah i haven't seen it yet that being said anyway um i trust no man that believes a man lived in fish either <laughs> yeah uh, yeah there's a lot of weird shit in the bible if anyone's ever read it it's pretty insane like honestly and if you know anything about the actual history of council of nicaea and the formation of the Bible proper. 
you know it's all bullshit. Anyway, that's what I wanted to talk about. Let's move on to the Infernal Informant and get mad about something else. Because why not? throw up my image and we're going to dive in to this infernal informant because we got some stuff to talk about oh boy i'm not sure which image is supposed to go with it we'll go with this one democrats will hold a virtual convention republicans won't the cruelty is just too obvious officially the 2020 democratic national convention will still be held in milwaukee and joe biden still plans to attend in person to accept his nomination and deliver the traditional speech, but he won't be talking to thousands of delegates, alternate, alternates, and members of the media who have traveled there from all over the country. President Trump's ego is far too fragile to pass up the opportunity to celebrate a foregone conclusion. The Republican National Convention and Trump's campaign will spend the next few weeks trying to figure out how to get a packed house full of chanting and bellowing Trump supporters to put on masks. The masks their leader insists are only worn by the weak, like the people in China. He maligns with racist attacks on a near daily basis. This is an article from Salon.com. Self-exiled from North Carolina after Democratic Governor Roy Cooper and other officials dared to forego their concerns about potential viral spread, Trump moved his affair, or at least most of it, to Jacksonville, Florida, where, according to a new poll, nearly 60% of residents do not want it. This isn't quite the moving the party down to Guana by the echoes of Jonestown are unmistakable. A narcissist madman leading his death cult into a state with one of the fastest rising rates of coronavirus spread anywhere in the world. This will likely be remembered as one of the most callous political moves in modern presidential history. Florida reported nearly 9,000 new cases on Friday the third new single-day record this week, and nearly 20,000 in the last three days. And it isn't because of increasing testing that Trumpian bugaboo, the rate of testing in Florida, has remained flat for the last two weeks. Trump will continue to resist calls to downscale the convention, of course. As with everything, he is scared of looking scared, or of appearing to give in to the so-called panic peddlers. Meanwhile, the RNC and Trump campaign staff will be entangled in a logistical nightmare, trying to keep thousands of people safe and healthy during an indoor convention in Florida in late August. Biden faces very little downside from the party's decision to downscale this year's convention. Polling data regarding reopening and mask use all show that the majority of Americans are actually aligned with the scientific experts. That's reassuring and even a bit surprising, giving the sizable and vocal anti-science contingent that attracts way too much media attention. Biden's decision is actually in line with the general public. All Democrats really have to do for their convention to be considered a success under these circumstances is to set up a live stream and book Taylor Swift. By the time Biden delivers his acceptance speech, we should be used to seeing empty arenas and stadiums dressed up with digital trickery. The NBA, NHL, NHL uh, Major League Baseball, and Major League Soccer all plan to compete 
uh, complete their seasons with no live spectators. Biden could tell his TV audience that every empty seat in Milwaukee's Wisconsin Center represents 10 people who died because of Donald Trump's incompetence. Now there's an idea. Republicans could have presented Trump's toxic decisions and chose not to, and now they're risking their core supporters' lives for the sake of political theater. Texas Republicans are still planning to hold an in-person state convention with no face mask requirement next month in Houston, a city whose current virus numbers threaten to overload the hospital system. Trump has done nothing or worse than that. He's actively weakened our response, both before and after we knew of the pandemic. Now his most loyal fans will pay the price. And here I say adieu. Let them. Look, we've gotten to a point where everyone knows that this pandemic exists, all right? There was a point where I was like, no, we got to keep those ignorant fucking masses away from gathering and infecting everyone else because ultimately they're going to bring it back to their families, their old parents or grandparents, uh, or possibly their kids, though that's a very, very small chance that's been, uh, you know, born out of infection rates leading to injury or death. Um, but this is Dar Darwinism, ultimately. That that's a really what we're talking about here. I mean, churchgoers are going to mass, getting sick and dying. Preachers are saying that God will save them. And then they fucking die. Can we just maybe get a Hail Mary for that idea? <laughs> Let's just take a step out and say, I'm going to light a candle for your death because it is inevitable, you stupid fucking idiot. Why are you continuing to do this? There's a special place in hell for these ignorant fuckheads that genuinely think, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm an American. I, I believe in freedom. So I'm going to go and I'm going to go uh, to the groups of people that share my ideals and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand and shout, spittling to my neighbor, lock her up, lock her up, and nothing bad's going to happen. Okay, well, one, you're acting against your own self-interest in backing that fuckhead of a chimpanzee president that we've got. But two, you're actively fucking opening a chance of killing yourself. And this is different, people who are contrarians, to getting in a car and driving down the road. Everyone understands the challenges therein. We have safety features in cars that lessen the risk. We have seat belts that are mandatory. But what about a seatbelt for your face? Say, a mask. No, 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 no. We cannot abide that. We can get behind no shirt, no shoes, no service, but no mask, no service? Fuck you, and I'm American. I got rights. Your freedom, or your idea of what freedom means, is not preserving your life. It is actively risking your life and killing you. So please go ahead, go ahead. How hilarious would it be for the Republican National Convention to happen? Everyone knows that they're going to nominate Trump because the Republicans have zero spine. And what happens? <laughs> a large majority of those attendees get sick and a small majority of those who get sick die. Okay. We've all been waiting for the changing of the guard. If they're doing it to themselves, I mean... Why hide the bullets? That's how I see it. I'm getting really tired of the idea of protecting other people from themselves. Like, I understand if you got to put a label on a bottle. Don't drink 
this uh, hand sanitizer. It has minute amounts of alcohol, but it will destroy your liver system and you will die. Your liver system will destroy your liver and you will die. Um, we do that, right? But how far are we supposed to go to protect people from themselves? If they are destined, determined, willfully aware that they are risking their lives, can we just avoid them? Like that's a option, right? We can just let them go. We all know our family members that are of that ilk. You know what I'm talking about. The kind that don't care about self-preservation. They only care about party lines. Now, you know, we feel obligated to care about them in some capacity because maybe we share chromosomes or something. But the truth is, they're choosing to ignore reality and to embrace fantasy, and we can't stop them. So, let's salute them and let them go on their way and just avoid them. That way, they suffer consequences for their own actions and allow the responsible to be responsible for their own lives. I'm just tired of it. Yeah, you're right, Ruth. At this point, they're just being willful and arrogant and ultimately to their own detriment. But then again, people have voted that way and acted that way throughout all their lives. We don't tell people to stop smoking. <laughs> that was me being a dumbass. We actively tell people not to smoke, but they still do it. We tell them to wear masks. They don't do it. We tell people, hey, if you want a longer, healthier life, Try to avoid these types of behaviors. And if they're going to engage in them, they're going to engage with them. It's just going to happen. So let's just let them do it. It just happens to be a political issue nowadays. And if it eliminates a certain uh, ignorant political party, fucking cheers. <laughs> yeah. Amber, love them at a distance. <laughs> I really care about you, but you're a fucking idiot. I don't know what to tell you. I don't even really, I don't even know how we came out of the same womb or <laughs> how we're related at all if you're going to follow them. I mean, really. All right, let's do this next one. <laughs> They're going to kill themselves anyway, right? It's, it's going to happen. You're not going to stop them. Let them do it. All right. Uh, Trump signs an executive order on prosecuting those who destroy monuments. This is a Vox article. I would like to just point out that <laughs> though I had major problems with the Obama presidency, Donald Trump's big problem with the Obama presidency is that he ruled via executive order. He said that's how weak leaders enacted their will. And now the only way with a stacked Republican Senate. The only way this president can get anything done is through executive order. And even then, it's not really. I find happy irony in that. Okay. President Donald Trump signs an executive order Friday directing federal law enforcement agencies to prosecute people who damaged federal monuments and to withhold uh, portions of federal funding to cities that don't protect statues from demonstrations. The order marks the latest in Trump's ongoing battle against protesters who have pushed for the removal of monuments and statues that memorialize Confederate leaders and other figures who support slavery, white supremacy, or colonialism. Trump responded to the removal of the statue in Washington by tweeting, These people should be immediately arrested, a disgrace to our country. And with the order, has provided a framework for arrests to be made. 
The order directs the Department of Justice to prosecute to the fullest extent permitted under federal law people who damage government monuments, participate in efforts to incite violence, or damage religious property. That's interesting. Damaging federal property can be punishable by up to 10 years in prison. I just want to do a quick bullet point here. He signs an executive order to demand that the Department of Justice uphold the laws that are existing. It feels like he's the type of toy you get out of like a, a, a McDonald's Happy Meal. It's just like the worst version of a toy. You don't even really want it. You're just like, oh, that came with it? All right. And it just ends up in like a landfill somewhere. That's this guy. Fucking asshat. Um, the protesters, he says, quote, hate our history. They hate our values and they hate everything we prize as Americans. Trump told the audience. That's an interesting idea that I want to just sit on for a second. They hate our history. American history, no. They hate the Confederacy, which tried to overthrow the Union. They tried to destroy America. So they hate the enemy of America. Check. Yes, that's right. Uh, they hate our values. Slavery? That's American value? It's refreshing to hear him say the silent part out loud. That's usually what the Republican Party keeps, like, tucked under their cravat rather than pulling it out and letting everyone see it. But I dig that he's so brazen slash stupid to say the silent part out loud. Um, yeah, we don't like that part. <laughs> the slavery part. It's weird because the Constitution, even though it was written by flawed humans, does say all men are created equal. And we all know that's a fallacy. But the idea of it from a governmental standpoint is that all will be treated equal under the law. Yeah. Why wouldn't we want that? Why would you not want that? Hmm. Okay. What's the last part he says here? Um, bah, 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 bah. They hate everything we prize as Americans. What exactly are you prizing as an American that these people are taking down from these statues? By and large, the majority of them are either slave owners, slave enactors, uh, treasonous generals, or militiamen. So what is it that Americanism means to you that those who are actually tearing down those monuments aren't in line with? And I've been very vocal about this. I'm not in line with absolutely just sort of rioting and destroying uh, public property, including monuments. There is legal means to do so, to take down public monuments. And I think that's the, the avenue that we should be taking. But you can't pretend like those tearing down these monuments aren't doing it because they are, or are doing it because they hate America. They're doing it in order to reinforce the ideals that America espouses. So you being in stark opposition to that speaks volumes to anyone that's paying attention. Protesters, however, have argued that the monuments, particularly Confederate ones honoring individuals who tried to destroy the United States, salute an ugly history that runs counter to the American values enshrined in the Constitution. 
Monuments, mostly to Confederate generals, have been coming down for several weeks amid ongoing demonstrations against police brutality and racism sparked by the police killings of George Floyd in Minneapolis in May. Some local police officials have chosen to take down statues through more official means, such as the Democratic mayor of Birmingham, Alabama, who told protesters preparing to pull down the city's Confederate soldiers and sailors monument, allow me to finish the job for you. The order is the latest step in this opposition, although it is not clear that the president's views match those of most Americans. For example, a Quinnipiac University poll, I don't know if I said that right, uh, taken in June 11 to 15, found 52% of Americans back the removal of Confederate monuments from public spaces with a 2.7% point of margin of error. That's huge! The, By and large, the public agrees with the removal of these um, monuments. What is in question is the method in which they are being removed. And let's be honest, these were not erected right after the Civil War. These were erected years, decades later, in order to terrorize and subdue the uh, black citizens of these areas by the white leaders of these local governments. That is literally why they were put up there. Because why else would you celebrate treason? Why would anyone celebrate treason? That's what those monuments represent. That's what those generals and soldiers were fighting for. Treason. It's strange, right? Like, we have to look past the, oh, they're tearing down public monuments and it's an illegal form. And stop and think, what exactly are they tearing down? And there's some monuments that I don't necessarily personally think should be torn down that are actively being torn down. But I got to be honest, it doesn't really hurt my feelings that much. I mean, it sucks. But the truth is, there is a real movement happening right now in this country. And um, you can either try to understand it or remain ignorant. You don't have to agree with what you understand, but you can still understand their positions. I believe in law and order, and so my personal preference would be to do everything legally through the existing system. In many of these cases, that was attempted for years and, and was unsuccessful. And so what do you have left as a citizen? If your representatives, whose job it is to listen to you, the majority of the people that they represent, does not listen to you, it is our duty as citizens to rise up against those representatives. That is Americanism. So, it's interesting. Uh, you're very welcome, James. Thanks for tuning in, man. Uh, they should take them down and post Lucifer monuments. He was the first freedom seeker and breaker of chains. Okay, you mom. Uh, I dig the concept there. <laughs> uh, there's been uh, pseudo-groups trying to erect... Um, occultnik monuments <laughs> baphomets that are strange uh that i don't really dig and here's the truth like clearly i'm a satanist i'm a member of the church of satan and proudly so um i don't think everyone should be like me i don't think everyone should think like me i celebrate the diversity of humanity so when i encounter an opposing view i don't try to shut it down i try to understand it and I try to rationalize how that could exist 
within the context of my worldview. If it doesn't, then I accept that it's a perspective and I move on. If it does, then I evaluate the way I see the world. And that's really, in the utopia of Adam, how everyone would engage with reality. Which means that you are going to have racists and sexists and bigots and misogynists and uh, liberal champions and LGBTQ and trans people all living together, understanding that we don't have to agree. We just have to coexist. And that doesn't mean harmoniously. It doesn't mean that you don't oppose them uh, fighting tooth and nail through your political and social uh, agendas. Yes, do that. Exert your will on the world. That is satanic in everything that we do. That being said, it's okay. It is okay if someone disagrees with you. That's healthy. You don't have to shut them down. And so with that, I don't like the idea of throwing up statues representing things that I champion because I don't want statues of Jesus standing around. So that's why I wouldn't want statues of Lucifer or a Satan or a Baphomet or whatever in a public square. Let me put a pin in that. If you want to put it on your private property, do you, man. Like that is all you. That's 100% whatever your HOA says, if you have an HOA. Um, so that's kind of where I'm standing with this. These are public monuments. There is a legal way to take them down. I've said this ad nauseum so many different times for our commander in chief to sign an executive order declaring that these people should be punished by full extent of the law when there's already a law in the books is a posture. He is just trying to show all of his supporters, which are dwindling and small, that yeah, I, I'm, I got your back. I understand you're upset about these Confederate racists being statues being torn down. I'm a racist too. I'm with you. That's what he's saying. It's politics. So why? Of course he's going to do that. Of course. It makes perfect sense. It's just to the rest of the free thinking world, it shows another example of how fucking retarded this goddamn president is. How ridiculous. How childish, how much of a whiny little bitch he actually is. And more importantly, the fact that he has to cater to the minority that is, are the racists, like the abject, everyone's a little bit racist. Everyone's a little bit prejudiced. Everyone's a little bit, you know, that type of person. And I don't know about them. Everyone's got it. Either from personal experience, learned experience, cultural, social, religious, everyone's got something. We've all got baggage. But these are willful people that are really supporting this guy and because it's such a small minority and he's only speaking to them because they're the only ones he can speak to it actually makes me feel really great about the possibility of a future without him as president ah, dare to dream <laughs> I, I, I may have just condemned <laughs> us all to an eternity of another another four years by dreaming but it speaks volumes, right? Like he has to cater to the tiny minority that actually has his back still because everyone else is jumping ship. That tells us where he actually is in the world. And, and I dig that because he's one of those idiots that rather than tries to use subterfuge or lesser magic uh, to get his way, it's on his face. He's got the Charlie Manson swastika all over his forehead. And you can't deny it. Like through his actions, through his executive orders, through his uh, 
uh, legal contests to the Supreme Court. It's on, man. We all know who he is. And as long as people show up to vote, we'll get his ass out. That being said, if you're a Trump fan, I don't understand you, but good on you. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Don't get it. Uh, you don't know. You think uh, what people say and how they are going to vote may be two different things. No, you're absolutely right, dog. Uh, 100%, yes. And I here's the pain about all that is I know people who um, are seemingly rational, intelligent humans that are like, no, I'm going to vote for Trump again, which makes zero sense to me. One, why they would do it in the first place. But then again, um, like, what are you doing? Like, how is that? He's actively destroying our environment. He's actively destroying our economy. He's actively murdering his followers. Like, what else do you need other than him coming to your house and ass-raping you to prove that he gives less than two shits about you, about the nation, about any of it? He doesn't give a fuck. Like, what do you need him to do for you to see the reality of what he's actively doing? It makes no sense. It's crazy. But there they are. Um, <laughs> the magic eight ball. Uh, yeah, I don't even want to jump in the, the, the conversation, Blake, of I don't want this alternative to Trump because that's what led to Trump. Uh, so many people were so upset. And I understand Hillary Clinton was far from a good candidate. She was, she's, she's a, she's a corporatist. I mean, that's, that's really what she is. And she's a bit of a hawk. So it probably would have led to wars. It probably would have led to some other issues. Um, but I can say that no matter what, objectively, nothing is as bad as what we're dealing with right now. And if you don't see that, it's because you're willfully ignoring the reality of what's going on now. And I'm not just talking about the pandemic. Shit is bad all over the world. America used to be at the top where everyone looked to. And now we're at the bottom. The EU is looking to block Americans from traveling to Europe. Our economy, we are in a recession and have been for months. It just came out that since March, we've been in a recession, but I would argue it's been before that. Our environment's fucked. The natural species on this planet that we cohabitate with, this president has allowed to be hunted while they're in hibernation. He's literally doing, he's actively in the Supreme Court right now trying to take away Obamacare, which gives tens of thousands of Americans an insurance option. It's not a great one, but they didn't have anything before, so now they have something. He's actively trying to take that away. So what exactly is the alternative? A senile old man who's going to be led around by people who aren't actively trying to destroy the fucking environment, economy, government, worldview? Well then, yeah, I'm going to take an insane old fucking man over this insane old man because at least one isn't actively trying to bury everyone. I mean, it's just a notion. It's a crazy thought I had. I don't expect everyone to agree with it, but it's a fucking reality.
So we have to look at this election through reality's terms. We either continue to spiral down to depths and despair, literally dystopian futures, or we give someone else a shot and hope it's not going to go in that same direction. We may be laterally moving, but I don't think we're going to go down again. Assuming this fuckhead gets out. All right, that's enough of me ranting for the <laughs> infernal informant. I appreciate you guys uh, allowing me to get on my soapbox and stay there for so long. Let's dive into a little creature feature and have a little geeky fun. A full bag, a full body hazmat suit. Oh, Jason. <laughs> I hope it's not going there, man. Oh, <laughs> this is the end if that's the case. Oh, none of this matters. Uh, all right. So I wanted to close this episode with a little bit of goofy fun. Um, I'm a big Lovecraft horror sort of insanity madness fan. Uh, I came into Satanism from the occult side of things. I uh, realized it was all bullshit, found Satanism, and you really just sort of springboarded me into this this uh, this this concept of uh, celebrating the aesthetics of something uh, over the reality of it. So Lovecraft, for example, I can appreciate that it's all made up bullshit, but I still absolutely adore the aesthetics. I love the storytelling. I love everything about it, even though there's no real magic behind it. It's still fun, and I like fun. So... That's why I was turned on to Call of Cthulhu, Dark Corners of the Earth. Now, this is a survival horror game developed by Headfirst Productions and published by Bethesda Software uh, with 2K Games and Ubisoft for Xbox and Microsoft Windows systems. It was published in October 24th, 2005, so it is an old game. The graphics don't really hold up to nowadays, but, and, I'm going to be honest with you here, the gameplay kind of sucks. It's very glitchy. Very glitchy. Um, but if you just want, like, to be dunked head for... Like, if you want to be waterboarded in Cthulhu Mythos, you don't... Like, it's painful to experience. They're just, like, pouring water all over your towel-covered face filled with Cthulhu feces. And for whatever reason you love it, this is the game for you. If you just hate your free time so much, but you really want to be engaged. And the, the frustration of the gameplay mechanics with the glitches actually kind of pays off with the atmosphere and the uh, immersion of this video game. Because you do feel that sense of panic. You get that, that sound of heartbeat coming up. The, the vision in the screen distorts when you're around... Cthulhu symbols or stories or creatures. It is a crazy immersive game that just pulls you in from the beginning. And you forgive the dated 2005 graphics because the story is so immersive. And the gameplay mechanics are a little wonky, but you forgive it. Because, again, you get to live in this Lovecraft world, which is just fucking fantastic. Okay. So, yeah, they have done uh, created new Call of Cthulhu 
games. This is an older version. I haven't played those new ones. I just played this back in the day, and so that's why I want to talk about it. And in the Evil Live series that I'm I'm putting out, this is the next game I'm going to be playing. Um, it combines action adventure game with relatively realistic first person shooter and elements of a stealth game. It's a reimagining of Lovecraft's 1936 novella, The Shadow Over Innsmouth. It's set mostly in the year 1922, and the story follows Jack Walters, a mentally unstable private detective hired to investigate in Innsmouth, a strange and mysterious town that has cut itself off from the rest of the United States. Now, if any of you have ever read any of Lovecraft, you understand that there are these little spots throughout the eastern coast of the United States where they just sort of isolate and operate within themselves and that's where the madness or the insanity or those dark creatures from beyond start connecting and uh, controlling the inhabitants, right? And in some cases, they actually interbreed with them. Kind of creepy. That's the glory of Lovecraft and that is the glory of this game is that you get to actually total environments here, people. You get to live in this incredibly wild world. And you're not like some uh, uh, kumbaya motherfucker. Uh, yippee Kaye motherfucker. Wow, diehard. I, kumbaya. I don't know what is happening. This whiskey is getting to me. Um, you're not a yippee Kaye motherfucking diehard guy running through this. You are a flawed investigator. The whole preface of this game is you in an insane asylum after you've experienced the horror and madness of witnessing creatures from beyond. And so you're coming into this a very flawed investigator who has mental issues and forgotten space and time. And you're sort of walking into this twisted world of Cthulhu. It is so incredibly frustrating and so incredibly fun. It's like the, the best and worst of any horror film where you just don't know what's going to fucking happen and you're panicking and you're sweating and your heart is beating, but you just kind of want to creep around that corner because fuck, I got to get out of here somehow type of feeling it's great so the game features no heads-up display at all instead conditions of the player and character is relatively through the sound cues of the heartbeat and breathing which become more pronounced when wounded and color drains from the screen with the loss of blood and strength so you're actually in first person mode experiencing visually and audibly the uh, physical effects that the character is supposed to be experiencing, which is why it's so immersive. Uh, so example, if you get shot, you start limping and you actually move slower because you're hurt. It makes sense, right? I mean, it's just this, this type of gameplay mechanic that makes it so immersive. The character's mental degradation can lead him to hearing hallucinations and seeing visions, which manifest as graphical anomalies and sound distortion and changes in control sensitivity. So the madness that you experience echoes on screen and through gameplay itself. It's really crazy. You've got to experience it if you haven't yet. And actually, if, if you play video games, um, it's on Steam right now for like a buck. It's on sale. So it's like a buck and a half or something like that it's really cheap and for an immersive experience it's totally worth a buck and a half um again it is heavily flawed and it is buggy as hell but if you can get past those then the atmosphere itself is completely worth it and and makes up like you get to explore and talk to these sort of human fish hybrid human cthulhu hybrid 
people in Innsmouth. And then they start hunting you. And it's like this whole survival experience. It's very, very cool. And maybe because of the gameplay mechanics being so buggy, it actually makes it more terrifying because things don't operate as you expect them to. It's kind of cool. All right. It is absolutely, Yaman, uh, the stuff of nightmares. All right. Oh, you're talking about a book. The Yellow King is in Elder Sign Omens. What? The Yellow King. Okay. Elder Sign Omens. Maybe I don't know what you guys are talking about in that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I had for today. <laughs> that's it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for chiming in with your thoughts live in the chat. Um, I've said it before, and I'm going to continue to say it because I think it's important. I don't expect you to agree with me. If you have dissenting opinions, feel free to put them in chat. Um, the admins in chat understand that you don't have to agree. So your opinion will not be silenced. It will not be hidden. You will have open dialogue with anyone else in chat. Uh, and in the same way, I, was, I would expect if you disagree with something I'm saying, that you would let me know in the chat. And then we could sort of have a bit of a back and forth about it. Clearly, this is a shorter segment type of show, so we can't spend an hour talking back and forth to one another like on the phone. But I celebrate the idea that this is an open format without silencing. And, you know, if pseudos come in the chat room and they start asking questions, as long as it doesn't detract from the core point of the show, I'm not going to kick them out or silence them. I think it's important that we have open dialogue regardless of how we view the world. And that's the only way that you learn. And that's the only way that we can truly understand our own perspectives is when challenged. It's healthy. So let's celebrate that opportunity and let's not remain in silence if you disagree with something. Let's step up. This is the form for that. So I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys tuning in and uh, listening to me just sort of bantering and going crazy. Uh, if you support what I'm doing here, subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's it. And if you catch this through the uh, uh, podcast, uh, I put this out as an audio podcast after every show. I get like six to 800 downloads. So I know that people are getting this via podcast specifically, not this video format. So please, if you get it in that format, search Reverend Campbell and wherever you get your podcast, you'll find it. But give me a rating and review. I'd appreciate it and lets other people know that it's worth listening to if you find it worth listening to. So thank you for that in advance. And until next week, hell Satan, everyone. I hope you have a good one.